everyone, my name is Abby and I'm one of the pastors here at HGBB Church. And I am so glad that we get to look at the Bible together this morning. I don't know if you've been keeping an eye on the news and maybe you've been reading up about everything that's going on with Kanye West. And it's been really making me think about the culture that we live in and how cancel culture is just a real mark of our generation. You know, we live in a bit of a society that's very quick to judge, quick to critique and quick to cancel. And maybe that's something that you feel is reserved for celebrities. Maybe that feels very detached from your everyday life. But I wonder, do we find ourselves influenced a bit in how we treat those around us? Because this culture really like permeates through us and, and through our whole lives sometimes. How would we feel if Jesus began hanging out with people that are canceled, interacting with them, going to their home, being called their friends? Today, we're going to read about a guy who's called Zacchaeus, and they didn't have such a term in the Bible, but if Zacchaeus was alive today, he would have been totally called out and cancelled. So let's read. It's from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Do you ever think that sometimes Bible stories are a bit, they can sound a bit like Bible-y? You know, you might be familiar with this story because you heard it when you were a kid about the short guy trying to climb up the tree. And it sometimes feels a bit difficult to connect with. Like I can't really see the 21st century man climbing a tree in order to see a celebrity. What self-respecting person would do that? Well, apparently if you're a Liverpool fan, that's the lengths you will go to. Back in 2019, look at this photo. This is um, Liverpool Football Club. They won the Champions League and all the players were in this open top bus and they paraded through the streets of Liverpool. I think three quarters of a million people showed up to kind of cheer them on and welcome them home. And they were so desperate to see their players that they climbed to the top of lampposts, top of traffic lights um, and road signs. Now, Jesus wasn't parading through Jericho in an open-top bus, but he had been creating a bit of a stir in the area. Remember, no one is posting about this on Instagram or sending a calendar invite to come and join the parade, but people are talking about this man who has, you know, healed people and he's performed miracles and he even raised someone from the dead. So the crowd begins to gather. And that left Zacchaeus at a bit of a disadvantage because he was short. So he has to run ahead and he has to climb a tree in order to see Jesus. And Jesus enters the city 
And incredibly, through the crowd, he stops at the bottom of the tree that Zacchaeus is in. And he calls him down in front of everyone. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for dinner. Everyone around them is like, what? Like, does Jesus Jesus have any idea who this man is? I cannot believe that Jesus would go and hang out with Zacchaeus. Does he know what this man has done? Zacchaeus, he's buzzing. He rushes down the tree. He goes into his house. They shut the door and they begin to feast. Zacchaeus, this cheat, this tax collector, who's been canceled by society, and Jesus, the Son of God, are sitting down at the dinner table together. What happened over dinner? We don't know. It's literally nowhere to be found. We don't know what is said over the dinner table. We read in verse seven that all the people see Jesus interact with him and they mutter that he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. And the next verse, verse eight, is Zacchaeus talking about his transformation and how he's gonna give everything to the poor and he's gonna repay what he's cheated, all because of this encounter he's had with the Lord. What happened over that dinner? There's no record of the conversation, no step-by-step guide on how Zacchaeus has come to this transformation. It's the deleted scene. It's between Zacchaeus and Jesus. The only thing that we do know is that before Zacchaeus' life looked one way and after meeting Jesus, he is completely transformed. There are three things that Jesus does that transform Zacchaeus' life. And the first is an invitation. He says in verse five, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. We don't really know that much about Zacchaeus. He's only mentioned once in the Bible in this story, but he's obviously a pretty determined man that will go to all the effort of climbing a tree in order to see Jesus. And I think there are, there are two ways that we can maybe read him. The first is a bit of a cynical tag on Zacchaeus. Maybe we can view him as a bit of a showman. You know, he's a bit of a dodgy dealer. He, he likes to pocket some extra money on the side. Maybe he's cocky and confident. And so he runs ahead. He, he wants to be the first to see Jesus. He likes to climb his way up in society. And so this is just another tactic to get ahead, to be seen with the miracle worker everyone's talking about. Or we can read that maybe Zacchaeus isn't this bachelor type, but actually he's feeling the weight of what he's done, cheating people out of their money. Maybe he's aware of it. Maybe he's feeling really guilty. Maybe he's really desperate for change in his life. And maybe meeting Jesus is a bit of a last resort. So he throws his dignity out the window and he climbs a tree like a child in an attempt to meet Jesus. Regardless, of why, Zacchaeus gets way more than he's bargained for. Zacchaeus just wanted to try and see Jesus, but what he didn't bank on is that Jesus would see him. All he wanted was a glimpse, and what he got was an invitation. Jesus fought his way through the crowds to reach the bottom of the tree, and then he actively seeks out Zacchaeus, calls him by name, and he invites him over. In this passage, the crowd could have stopped Zacchaeus from seeing Jesus. And I think for us, there are things that really get in our way 
that block us from trying to see Jesus. They can distract us. But you're here today. You've metaphorically climbed the tree to get a glimpse of Jesus. And whatever your motivation for being here, maybe you're tired, maybe you are desperate, or maybe you're only watching this because a friend made you do that and they sent you the link and said you had to. But you made a really good decision. Well done for watching this today because you don't just have to see Jesus from afar because He's here. He sees you and through the power of the Holy Spirit, He extends an invitation to you today. He offers an invitation to come into your house, to come into your life and to transform it. The second thing that Jesus does is to transform Zacchaeus' identity. So I grew up in a small town where everyone knows everyone. And when you're talking about someone, you'll say, oh, sure, you know Sam, he's married to Ruth and that's Peter's son and they live up the road. You know, you kind of get the picture. It's that sort of place. And then there was this new girl who came to our school one day. And I met her because her name was Abby. And there was no one else called Abby. So we were just like bonding over having the same name. I thought that was fun. Um, and then I find out in that conversation that her surname was also the same as my surname, which was McCready before I got married. So we were like, oh my goodness, like what are the chances that our names are exactly the same? We're both called Abby McCready, that's so strange. And then I asked her more about her and asked her about her family. And I said, well, well what's your mum called? And she said, my mum's called Christine. I was like, my mum's called Christine. I said, so what's your dad called? And she said, my dad's called David. My dad is called David. This girl, she turns up in my town, in my school with my name and her mum's name is my mum's name and her dad's name is my dad's name. How weird is that? I'm really glad that our identity is made up of more than our names because if that was the case, there's two of me. Zacchaeus' identity was built on three things, his job, his wealth, and his reputation, what people said about him. Now, he was known in Jericho as the chief tax collector. And tax collectors are mentioned throughout the Bible a few times, but it's always negatively. People really didn't like them. And it's not just because they collected tax, but it's because of who they collected tax for. They were collecting it for the Romans, who were the corrupt and oppressive government that had invaded Jewish lands. And what was quite common is that tax collectors were Jews themselves. So they're taxing their own people for their enemy's gain. And even worse than that, they were really known for making a bit of an extra profit on the side and they would kind of pocket and keep some for themselves. Zacchaeus isn't just a tax collector. He's the boss, the chief tax collector. He teaches people how to do this. And therefore he gleans multiple profits from everyone else's dishonesty. And he's very good at it. He's very wealthy because of it. That's his identity, a wealthy tax collector. And then the third part of his identity is formed by what the crowd say about him. In verse seven, we read that they call him a sinner. He's a total traitor to his community. Is it any wonder when Jesus stops and invites Zacchaeus down um, that people start to grumble about it? They're saying, that guy's really bad, that guy's a sinner and he's not to be associated with if you have any regard for your reputation, Jesus. The crowd calls him a sinner, but Jesus calls him son. Verse nine, 
says, today, this is Jesus speaking, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Judaism. He's the patriarch of the Jewish people because God had promised that all people on earth would be blessed through him. So Jesus doesn't cause the case of son to mean that he was a literal descendant of Abraham in like a physical DNA sense, but he's calling him a son of Abraham because he's displaying the traits or the characteristics of Abraham. Son of Abraham is a title given to people of faith. Galatians 3 verse 6 and 7 says, Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. People live up or down to what they're called. And Zacchaeus could have listened to what the crowd called him, a sinner, too far gone, a cheat, morally unclean. And I would imagine that that had meant he distanced himself from the community. He had removed himself from maybe going to the temple to worship because people would have like whispered like, well, that guy really shouldn't be here. Like he's a total lost cause. Have you heard what he's done? Or maybe he even overheard people praying things like, thank you God that I'm not a tax collector. He's an outcast. And yet after a dinner with Jesus, his identity isn't known as sinful outsider, but Jesus proclaims that Zacchaeus is a member of God's family, full of faith and blessed by him. Our lives are transformed when we let Jesus define us. Whether you've taken on negative words that have been spoken over you, or you've overheard people uh, whispering about you, Come and spend time with Jesus. Listen to what He says about you, what He calls you. You know, the Bible is full of this. He, he says that we are His friends, that we are forgiven, we are loved, strong, free from condemnation. He is who we build our identity on, being His sons and daughters. That's how you can be known. And I think just as a bit of a side note here, you know, Sometimes the temptation for us, and I know certainly for myself, is to kind of agree with the crowd, to join in on the commentary they have about what Jesus was doing. I think maybe we need to give up some of our preconceived ideas about what we think God should or shouldn't be doing or who Jesus should or shouldn't be having dinner with. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and no one is beyond that invitation. Then finally, how does this transformation happen? It's through intimacy. You know, what's really interesting here is in the previous chapter, Jesus met another rich man and he asked Jesus, you know, how can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus replies to him and he says, well, have, you know, do you know the commandments? And the man said, yeah, like I've kept all the commandments since I was a young boy. So Jesus says to him, sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And the guy, he couldn't do it. He couldn't give up all his money. And so Jesus says, well, do you have any idea how hard it is for people who have it all to enter God's kingdom? I'd say it's easier to thread a camel through the eye of a needle than to get a rich person into God's kingdom. Zacchaeus has built his identity on his career and the success of it, his wealth. He lived for gathering money. Maybe it was his security, maybe it was his safety net, maybe he loved the status of it. 
But money and being rich isn't the problem here. You know, one of the most uh, misquoted verses about money in the Bible says that money's the root of evil. But the verse actually says this. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. That's where Zacchaeus has got it wrong and, and the man that Jesus spoke to. Their wealth was their greatest love in their life. And yet it's after a dinner with Jesus, it's this area, the area that Zacchaeus has held onto so tightly that he's built his whole life around, that is the most radically transformed. He, he reorders things. He puts Jesus as first. And I suppose in a way, he puts himself in a bit of a position of dependence by trusting Jesus with the thing he loved most, his finances. This is what he did in verse eight. It says, but Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Can you imagine if you got an email from the tax man this week or someone called you to say you were gonna get back some of your tax? But not just some. Imagine they told you you were gonna get four times the amount. What difference would that make to your bank account this week? But this wasn't the government he was gonna pay out. It was an individual. Zacchaeus was gonna foot the bill himself. I think sometimes we can be suspicious of transformation if we've not seen the process. Um, and you might think, oh, this is just a PR stunt for Zacchaeus' reputation. He's trying to rebrand himself into some good Samaritan. But a PR stunt would have needed to be public. Verse eight says that Zacchaeus stood up and he said it to the Lord. He didn't proclaim it to the crowds or shout about his good deeds, but his transformation was personal, intimate and directed to Jesus. Something's clicked in Zacchaeus after meeting Jesus. He has clarity and insight about his sin, but it doesn't just stop with the insight. The insight leads him to change. It's not just words, but there's action, a tangible difference in how he's gonna live his life. And that's what the Bible calls repentance. Zacchaeus's response to the forgiveness that he'd received means that he lives his life differently. I wanna know what Jesus said to him. What happened over that dinner? Why is that conversation not recorded? And I think it's because Jesus transforms Zacchaeus' life through intimacy with him. The crowd watching may be thinking, oh my goodness, Zacchaeus is gonna get what's coming to him. Jesus is gonna put him in his place. He's gonna scold him in front of everyone. But Jesus, instead, he calls him down from the tree. He takes him away from the crowd. They go into Zacchaeus' house, his safe place, his comfortable place, and they share a meal together. It's the kindness of Jesus that led Zacchaeus to repentance. Kindness was given in abundance, and so repentance came in abundance. This is the invitation for us today. 
Verse 10, Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It doesn't say the Son of Man came to seek and shame the lost or to scold the lost, but He came to save the lost. You know, Jesus came to Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus went to see Jesus. Jesus called him by name and Zacchaeus acknowledges him as who he is, God. And Jesus sat at his dinner table and Zacchaeus welcomed him in. Jesus has come to you. He's calling you by your name and he's asking to sit at your dinner table. He wants to help transform your life. What area of your life are you holding on to tightly at the moment? What are you just a bit unsure you can fully trust Jesus with? This week, why not like carve out some time, spend it with Jesus, invite him even just into the conversations you're having in your home or in your head and believe that he can, that he will and that he wants to bring transformation to your life. I think it would be really good now just to take a bit of space to spend a few moments and just reflect on that. Maybe it's time to welcome Jesus into your life for the very first time, or maybe it's time to pull up a seat once again and bring him to the table. So why don't we pray? Why don't we invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill each of us now, to speak to us now? So let's just close your eyes wherever you are. We're gonna pray, come Holy Spirit, and we're gonna wait. We ask, come Holy Spirit, would you speak? Maybe now just with your eyes closed, just picture Jesus sitting across from you at the table. What's he saying? to you? What's he asking you to maybe turn away from? And what's he encouraging you to turn towards? Jesus, we are so thankful for your kindness. And so, Lord, we just pray, would you come now by your Spirit? Would you continue to keep speaking to each of us individually? Lord, we want to trust you. We want to grow in intimacy with you. And would you help us this week to know where we spend time with you, so where we can listen to you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, we ask and we pray all this. Amen. Let's worship.